And welcome to the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn. Welcome to the show. I'm thrilled you're here. You know why I'm laughing? Because I was just on Facebook, my my favorite platform. And this this guy posted a photo of his cat who had just passed away. And I almost felt inspired to write a comment. Did he or she pass away from COVID-19? Obviously, that would have been bad taste, <laughs> but that's where my mind—that's where my mind goes sometimes. I obviously try to make light of certain situations, especially now. So, anyway, my name is Eddie. Welcome to the show. If it's your first time here, stoked that you're listening. Really thrilled to welcome Dwayne Seagraves, owner, creator, singer, writer behind the band, the Stevenson Ranch Davidians. If you dig the show. Head over to iTunes, write a review. That stuff is very helpful. Share it with your friends. You can head over to my website, iameddiecone.com, and sign up for the newsletter. I'm also a musician, a yoga teacher, so I I have lots of music I'm hoping to release this year. I teach yoga classes online. So yeah, I'm just, I'm thrilled you're here. Pretty short intro today. I I try to give a little bit of introduction as to what the show is about, but I kind of get into it a little bit with Dwayne at the beginning of our conversation that I had with him a few days ago. I have become, over the last couple of years, I have been intrigued by how social media and technology are impacting the world. And sadly, I, I don't think it's a very, it's sadly, I don't think it's a positive piece of technology anymore. And, and again, you know, Dwayne and I talk about this. Of course, I see some positives. You know, you could reach out, you can share your opinions. If you're an artist like I am and like Dwayne is, it's really important to get your music out there. So, of course, Facebook and Instagram can be very powerful. But I just think there's just so much minutia, so much noise, not a lot of subtlety anymore, no nuance, no context. And Facebook and Instagram like to, they want you to think that DMs and emojis and texts all these methods that people use on their platforms are methods of a conversation or they connotate a conversation. But remember, folks, a conversation actually requires two people who are actually talking. And so most people aren't talking right now. And the the scary part of this is with COVID-19 now and, and the fear that the media is spreading everywhere, people are not talking. They're staying further apart from one another. They're staring at screens even more. So I, I just think this is really important to talk about. And I was very intrigued by seeing Dwayne's posts on Facebook the last couple of weeks. He's striking a chord with me, and I, and I think he's very similar to me where he likes to look below the surface. And he's just trying to bring up some points of view that I think are really important right now. And this this idea that, you know, he posted something about, and again, I'm not going to read it because we talk about it on the show, but he posted something, even actually he posted something today on Facebook. I'm, I'm going to read it because I didn't talk about this on the show. Okay, this is this is what he writes. People are wearing masks in commercials now. Fuck off. And again, I even, I even said this to a friend of mine a few weeks ago. When are we going to start watching television shows where people are wearing masks, like in their just normal day-to-day dialogue on the show. And so the comments that, you know, that Dwayne gets are just, so many of them are 
repugnant, downright just demeaning and calling him, you know, the C word, even though I swear on this show a lot. I, anyway, they're, they're very derogatory. And that's the world we live in now. If, if you don't agree with something, you just, you feel like you can go onto their page and just swear at them and use profanity. And all of that behavior is trickling down to the rest of our day-to-day lives, which I believe is contributing to this immense level of polarization that we've never seen before. So I reached out to Dwayne because I wanted to have a conversation about what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and, and get his perspective. I think it's really, you know, I'm, I just think this show is allowing me to talk about stuff that I think is vital right now. And if we can't have conversations, if you can't hear somebody else's point of view without, you know, telling them to fuck off or calling them an asshole, then, then, then there's a problem potentially with you. Because it's, it feels like people are so uncomfortable hearing perspectives that don't blend in with their own. And instead of listening, people just want to call you an asshole. So where, how are we possibly going to evolve and grow and create a better place if, if you can't even listen? And again, I also think there's just such an addiction factor going on with Instagram and Facebook. So anyway, the exciting thing about also today's show, before you listen, is all the music. You know, if, if I ever have a band on the show, I make sure to play all of their music. But specifically, I'm excited because the very last song on the show is brand new. It hasn't been heard anywhere. It's called Brothers and Sisters. So I'm just really excited that Dwayne not only took the time to talk to me, but shared some new music with me. I'm stoked that my show is the first place that people got to hear this song. So, and it's just, I'm, you know what it is? I'm also, sorry, it's kind of, it became a longer intro than I thought. So it's, it's a great conversation. I swear it's worth it. But I'm, I like to think I have very eclectic taste in music. And, and I, I, don't, I can't even describe the music. I, I guess people could say it's psychedelic. Sometimes I think it's progressive, but there's this band called The Temples and also this artist, Jacko Gardner. They remind me of the Stevenson Ranch Davidian. So I, I think it's really cool music. I like music that puts me into a trance. Um, you don't have to be on drugs to listen to it. It just, it, it really, it's meditative and pensive and makes me think and it's really cool stuff. And so all the music on today's show is from his band. And you should find them on Instagram or Facebook. Definitely find them. It feels like they're more active or he's more active on Facebook. So definitely check them out on Facebook. Listen to the music on Spotify, iTunes. Of course, you can find them on Instagram as well. But just, again, really stoked that he took the time to talk to me. So, um, again, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter. Don't, Don't send me any profanity, please, on Instagram or Twitter. I just... As Dwayne says, he's just going to block you immediately. So, again, you can go over to iamediacone.com and sign up for you know getting on the newsletter, write a review for the show, and more importantly, share it with your friends. I think Dwayne and I had a great conversation. So, thanks again to Dwayne, Stevenson Ranch Davidians, and as always, thanks to you for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast.
Awesome. Let me put my glasses on. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you doing this. Sure, man. Hey, I'm not doing a whole lot else these days. So, you know. <laughs> where where are you, by the way? Are you um, out here? I'm in upstate New York. Okay. What brought you over there? I mean, uh, Stevenson Ranch obviously is named after, I imagine, the city out here in L.A. County. But why are you back east? Uh, well, you know, we actually started there. We lived in Stevenson Ranch when we started the band. Um, it was really close to where we, uh, one of our members grew up and we just left LA uh, a couple years ago. We ended up getting a place out here and, um, just fell in love with uh, Hudson Valley. Really. I don't know if you've ever been here, but, um, no, yeah, it's, it's heaven on earth as far as I'm concerned. Wow. That's great. Yeah. So, and we're, we're pretty rural too. So we're kind of out of the bullshit right now. It was perfect. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, this, I just, to prepare you, you know, my show originated about a year and a half ago where I talk about, I became fascinated with the impact of technology on our culture. And, yeah. and I specifically, as an artist, musician, painter, because I do think Facebook, Instagram, are ruining the world. They're turning human beings into robots and, and people don't know how to talk anymore and, and think for themselves. But the conundrum for me is because of what Napster and Spotify, and I, I promise I just we'll get to questions and we'll talk about what you posted in music, but I just, just want to throw a few things out there to sort of get you and where I'm coming from. Yeah. The conundrum though for artists is A&R jobs are gone, PR jobs are gone, and, and the world, whoever that may be, quote unquote, just sort of expects artists to do all the legwork of PR and, and promote themselves and do videos and photos. And so instead of working on your craft and become a better musician or a better filmmaker, you kind of have to spend a lot of your time on social media in this fucked up sort of way. Yeah. And, and so as a result, I have seen the the downflow of product. I don't feel like art is as good as it used to be. And of course, that's a very subjective stance to take. And But I, I just, to me, the world has become more about quantity. How can I get your attention and less about quality? Yeah. So while I will always talk about that, I've become a little interested in, in what Facebook and COVID-19 have sort of done to our culture. And, and, and now more people are even more addicted to technology. More people are staying home. Less people are thinking objectively. People can't have yep. conversations anymore. And they think they're having conversations when they do a little comment on Facebook. But the reality is, is that a conversation actually requires two people who are actually talking. Yeah. So I saw your post on so we're going to talk about that but i also want to talk about how technology has impacted just your band and i saw you guys put out a record a few years ago just on Bandcamp. so i eventually want to talk about that but i you you posted something on facebook that really resonated with me and i'm just going to read it and then we'll talk did, did you know and this is you're the you're the handler of your of your facebook yeah did you know that it is possible to be sensible and cautious with regard to a virus while also simultaneously not believing every goddamn word of propaganda the so-called experts are telling you about said virus. 
And what blew me away, not only did I, I resonate with you and, and what you said and agreed with, but then I read some of the comments and they're basically saying, just go back to doing your music. We don't care about what you think. So, you know, what inspired that post? And, and are you agreeing with what I'm saying, disagreeing? And what's your pulse and what's your connection towards what's going on right now that led you to write that post? <laughs> basically, everything I'm seeing on Facebook, you know, I've got like almost 5,000 followers and, you know, fewer since that post. But, you know, many posts I, I make are, are just kind of, they've been pretty polarizing. Yeah. And, and not intentionally, but I'm seeing so much coming from one side of the debate on not just COVID, but everything, like the, polit the political situation, you know, Trump, blah, blah, blah. I'm in the music industry, as you know, you are too. And I would say 90% of the music industry probably leans a little more left sure. than right. Yeah. And so whatever that means these days, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty complicated, I think. Um, there's not a lot of middle ground to be had. It's totally polarized now, more so than I've ever seen. Me too. In my Me lifetime, too. you know. And so it... I've just seen so much from one side and my, all my posts are basically just trying to offer another perspective, a little bit of perspective and maybe even a middle ground, you know, but I don't know, you know, <laughs> how to, how to balance it out. I'm trying also, I'm trying to be careful because there are people who will, let's face it, we're living in what's called cancel culture right now where if somebody doesn't like your politics they will do anything they can to destroy your livelihood, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is going on. I don't know if you're seeing this. Of course. Of course I am. That's why yeah. I'm – it's why I've, I've, I've turned to a podcast to communicate my feelings and viewpoints. But I have to tell you, I, I don't think I'm famous like you know Joe Rogan or Kevin Hart or anything. But it doesn't even matter. Like people literally will attack you if they don't agree with what you have to say. Right. And those people generally cannot argue your points. That that's kind of the the key there. It's like these people who can do nothing but attack and you know deplatform, defund all this shit is just like they're not willing to have an argument. They're either incapable or unwilling to have a discussion or an argument about it. So that's kind of what I'm seeing, and it's pretty disturbing. If you ask me. Well, it, it is disturbing, and, and I think that's I think Facebook and technology and people's inability to focus and listen has led us here. And it's no surprise to me that Donald Trump won the presidency four years ago because he was able to garner more attention than all the other nominees. And he's exactly in this weird, messed up way what to me sort of represents a lot of our culture, grabbing attention, not having substance, not really being particularly articulate. But right. and, and, and I feel like, was it always this way? Or, and I get tired when I have guests on or even friends who say something like, you know, this, it's always been like this. You know, we've been advertised to for hundreds of years. But I don't think it's, it, I don't think, it created the level of polarization that you're talking about. No, it's, it's, uh, it's unprecedented. I, I think so. And it's probably due to the social media, the, the fact that communication is so much quicker now, stuff like that, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, when, after you posted that, 
And then you saw, and that's and that's the thing. I applaud you for doing it. And I had another guest on who just she throws it all out there. And I'm very calculated because I know if I post stuff like you did on Facebook and Instagram, and, and I tease those sort of things sometimes, but but then my brain thinks about it all the time. And 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 I want to focus more on my day-to-day and my life and my podcast and writing. So emotionally, what got you to the point where you were like, that's it, I have to put this out there. And then how are you feeling the the week after or two weeks when you read all that stuff? Uh, well, honestly, that's, that's nothing new to me. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time since MySpace. I've mm-hmm. been posting things that I've just, I've always come from a different angle than a Honestly, most of my friends, most of my family, like, I'm not saying I'm a conservative, but I'm certainly not a leftist. I'm not, you know, the liberal uh, side. They're just nowhere near what liberals used to be just 10, 15, 20 years ago, even on a lot of issues. You know what I mean? That liberals used to be for free speech. Yes. Liberals, um, you know, used to be for like a sound monetary policy. A true liberal, uh, the true meaning of that word is like it's kind of been flipped. Like like so many things have, you know, just an inversion of things a lot that I'm seeing in culture, society, and stuff like this. So, man, I've been on this for a long time. I've posted things that have just pissed so many people off because I don't know why. I don't know why because. I mean, I know why I'm doing it, right? Because I actually think it's really important to yeah. offer a different perspective within this small community that I'm in, the music community, particularly in LA, the so-called psych music community, which I don't consider myself psych psychedelic at all. You know, the music never have really. Um, but somehow we got lumped into this group and these people are just, they're, so far gone on so many things that I just, I can't relate. And so I'm just, I'm just saying what I think. And I, I think it's important what I'm saying. And I'm, that's the reason I'm doing it. And I, I do get some enjoyment out of it too. I got to say, it's like, what do you, I don't mind do you, conflict. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind it at all. It's weird. I don't mind it, but I feel like to have a conflict with somebody online on a public platform where other people can see and then it's not like I've had people on my show that I disagree with, but before COVID-19, they would be in my studio and and we would actually be able to listen. And I, I don't think that can happen on social media. I just I think it's impossible. And I don't think yeah. it's, and I don't think it's possible that as much as I applaud what you're doing and I think you should keep doing it, I don't know how many minds you're changing or how many perspectives you're changing or or opening up in other people because right. I think Facebook has this way of just like closing doors. Yeah, well, in more ways than one, more ways than one. Um, we can get into that shit later. Yeah, definitely. And all that, but um, I just I look at it as seeds. I'm just planting little seeds, man. Okay. I'm actually, I'm a gardener by trade, you know, so that, that just works for me. I, I can see how that, where you put this little thing in and you just kind of, you do what you need to do to germinate it if you want. And then you can walk away, you know, if you're lucky, if it's a strong plant, you know, and if it, if you think it'll, it, if it, it may thrive on its own, it may not, but I'm actually a pretty hands-off gardener as well. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, 
I don't really baby plants. I don't put too much effort into them. If they live, great, wonderful. I'll save those seeds and plant them next year because I know they're good, resilient plants, you know. But I, I, don't, I don't worry too much about whatever I post is going to do. I don't really think about it. I'm generally a happy person, but people will ask me, well, what is, why is your show turning a little bit towards COVID-19 and, and how does that relate? And, and I do think it actually all relates because I see, I've been curious, I haven't bought this thing from the very beginning. And I, I it was fucked up even saying that as if I do get COVID-19 and I get really sick, people will almost be like, see, I told you so. You should have oh, yeah. you kept your mouth shut, which is also yeah. which is a whole other level of just being fucked up. So I have been curious as to and people will say, well, what's going on then? What's the conspiracy theory? And I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am finally getting my handle on. All I know is, is that I know China controls more than or more than 90 percent of the drugs are manufactured in China. I do know that Amazon doesn't pay taxes, and I know China and Amazon, and I don't know the full extent of it, um, have been at odds. And and then this whole story with hydroxychloroquine comes out just a few yeah. days a few days ago, and, and here's my, okay here's my point. So Dr. Emanuel, the African woman from I think Kenya or the Conga. Yeah. It's, it's just one of 10 or 12 doctors that are speaking on this panel. And I end up following a few of them on Twitter. Me too. So instead of objectively looking at what they have to say and having a conversation about it, instead, what I see Anderson Cooper do that, that evening is actually make fun of her on her show and on his show. And I'm yeah. thinking instead of, and they're not like, random 10 doctors. I mean, they're, they're 10 of hundreds. And, yeah. and so it, it dawned on me that maybe it's a real virus that's happening, but people out there, companies or countries out there are looking for opportunities to take advantage of this situation. And it certainly is beginning to see like, seem like big pharma is at the front of this thing. Isn't that always the case? I mean, that's always the case, man. The powers that be always try to take advantage of a situation. Whether they created it or not, they're always going to do that. Always have. Always will, as long as we allow them to. Yeah. You know, as long as we let uh, people who are just kind of towing that line control the narrative, and as long as we allow the social media platforms to censor anybody who's uh, speaking against it, or even questioning it, 
Um, it's going to happen. I mean, we're what, 96 days from an election and there's all kinds of censorship in the political realm on social media yeah. and only for one side, only for one side. And because of who owns all the big tech companies, they're all, they're all leftists, you know, and I'm not trying to like foment this left versus right paradigm kind of thing, because I'm like, so beyond that, like in my thinking that I, I don't want to do that, but it is a real thing in most people's minds. It's a, and there are very real divides, fundamental differences in ideology and philosophy there. And, you know, so it's a very real thing that we, it's going on and it's a battle and it's a problem on, on many levels. You know? And it became so evident to me the last, and I don't watch uh, Anderson Cooper very, very often, if ever. But I just happened to turn it on, and I and I was just blown away that you. And I even recorded a podcast where the title of it was "Controlling the Narrative," and whoever's the producer for his show, whether it's him or somebody else, made a conscious decision to go online, look for something about her that they can attack, yeah, and that's what they instead of taking this information and trying to see if it's correct, if it's false, if it can help somebody, right. it's, it's about attacking. And, and I can't stand the world world's approach to, I think, how, how are our lives are not getting better right now. And it's just getting worse and worse because of not just even, the, to me, the virus now is like such a small little piece of, yeah. of of the tragedy in, in of, of America right now. I think about the suicides, the loneliness. I feel like people are having less sex now because people aren't going out to bars and drinking and meeting up. Yeah. I, it, to me, it's literally tragically impacting 20, 50, 60, 70 years, maybe longer. It's, it's yeah. I'm so irate about it. I am too, man. I really am. And I, I'm with you. I don't buy that it's as bad as, as they're telling us. I, I can look at the numbers myself. I see the fucking statistics. I, I compare it to other flus and viruses we've had in the past. They didn't shut the country down or the whole fucking world down for the past ones that don't have any less of a death rate or any great. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's crazy. Something's going on here and it may have something to do with an upcoming election. What looks to be like one of the most important elections ever in this country. I really think that, man. Yeah, I think so too. It's crazy. Um, I mean, we're on the brink, some people think, of a civil war. I think it's already begun. I mean, look at this shit that's going on with the riots and stuff and everything's so polarized and everybody's just getting, you know, when you shut down speech, which is what a lot of this censorship does and this politically correct bullshit and the cancel culture thing, you're shutting down speech and you're shutting down that dialogue. What is left? Like, you know, isn't that kind of what a civilization is built upon? The ability to have a dialogue about all the things that affect us and, and things. That's a pretty foundational aspect of a, a civilized society. It ain't happening so much now. It's going, it's going back. Here's something that I struggle with, and I say it a lot. I want to hear your thoughts. I'm actually struggling with with free speech, and I'm only on this perspective. I think the fact that anybody can go online and just say anything to me, there's 
there's too many people that get to say what they want. And I think people, I don't know if it's our intellect, people's attention span. I have lost faith in, in the intelligence of, of Americans. But I do feel like we need somebody out there that is sort of giving us objective, intelligent perspectives. And it's really sort of, we're all our own gatekeeper now. And we're so distracted by kids, life, bills, that who knows what emotional state we're in when we're actually reading information. Who knows where it's coming from. And then we don't have the time to research everything. So I'm conflicted. um, And I agree with you. There are powers to be out there that are controlling and censoring so many thousands of people. But I also think part of the problem is, is that too many people and the wrong people are having the opportunity to say what they want. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I would never um, want to limit anyone's speech. I'm kind of up the thinking that uh, I want everyone's views out there in the public square to be uh, debated especially the most prominent people with their biggest voice. I want everyone to, I even want neo-Nazis to have a platform because I want everyone to see what fucking idiots they are. Hmm. Like they should be up front and center. They should be visible. I don't want them like in the background forming these groups and stuff and doing shit behind the scenes. I'd rather them be able to be upfront about their views and let people then debate them and discuss how ridiculous those things are. I guess, you know? I guess what I was just thinking, I agree with you. I think the problem is, is that it takes thought to put an article together or an opinion together, or even as I'm talking to you, I'm, I'm thinking about the words that I'm going to say in that minuscule second. But it's, it feels like instead of doing that, everybody's just mindlessly going to Twitter or Facebook and just vomiting something. You know, somebody tweeted the other day, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're a racist. And I think to, my, I think to myself, like, that kind of stuff shouldn't be allowed to be said. And, and I get, because that's, that's the way that people are communicating now. Yeah. Well, I don't know how you would curb that. And it scares me to think that if you can curb that, what else can you curb? And hmm. you know what I mean? I think it's better to have everything out there. You know, it's it's really it's up to the individual to discern how ridiculous or valid any statement is that they read. You know what I mean? I I wouldn't want a gatekeeper on social media, like uh, telling people they can't post something or, or, you know, censoring posts about hydroxychloroquine, for instance. You know, I mean, where would that kind of censorship stop? I think it's a slippery slope when you get any entity that kind of power, you know? Yeah, I, I, um, I'm just thinking when t- 10, 20 years ago, when to me, I feel like as disruptive or chaotic as one's day nine to five life could have been, yeah. there was this sense of community. Idea. I mean, I realize I'm generalizing and every family is different, but there was a sense of we're all going to sit down, not in front of the television, have a dinner, talk, and maybe watch ABC, NBC, or CBS, and that's it. But now, you know, grandma's on her phone, and your two kids are on <laughs> their phones. You know, one person's on Snapchat, another's on TikTok. And and I think it's why nobody can listen anymore. You've, you've got this chaotic, everybody's on their own separate highway. 
and nobody yeah. and no, nobody's meeting up for at the rest stop and having a talk. Everybody's just going their own separate ways. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, you're totally right. But I think that's been a pretty gradual thing in the culture. Hmm. You know, I, I can't blame it all on social media. I mean, this might be the the epoch. You know, just like kind of the. <laughs> And I'll be, I mean, next thing you know, everyone's just going to be in little pods, like full on matrix style in uh, augmented reality or something, you know, with intravenous uh, nutrition, you know, I mean, it will get to that point for some people. I, I bet you it will. I can see that happening. Like they can be sustained in this little world with their VR glasses on or whatever. But there are some people who will sign up for that. Yeah. Um, so it's just been a very gradual thing, you know, kind of the breakdown of the family and the, the breakdown of communities and localization and all this stuff. And it's been intentional as well. I, I don't think it's an organic thing. I don't at all. I mean, call me a conspiracy theorist if you want, but I just, I, I know what I, what I see and, you know, I'm, I'm fairly well read and I, man, I, I just believe that is the case. It may be a combination of just organic human behavior and then these these powers at the top that are just wanting to control and centralize everything and destroy the things that make us uh you know um connected and then less dependent on them and things like that you know that's a real thing throughout all of history you know yeah about what was going on with the virus or, or did you were you aware of what the, I, again the media to me also is a whole other story which I really don't want to go down but the way that they're just scaring the living daylights out of everybody yeah. um, I can just feel it people are par- terrified to be around one another and, and I don't know when that's ever going to go away right when were you I mean if you can look back to like January, February when were you sort of having the radar going up where you're like, something just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I, man, I'm by default. I am skeptical of, of the mainstream. I do not watch the mainstream media. I haven't for a decade, probably a decade. Don't watch it. Um, I get all of my news, all of my up to date stuff from Twitter, frankly. Hmm. And, you know, like back to what you were saying earlier, I do think that it's each individual's responsibility to kind of filter out their um, their sources for information. And I trust myself. I trust my own brain. You know, I 
I trust who I'm following. There are some people who I can maybe tell you privately that you'd be very interested to follow in who from the very beginning were highly skeptical of this thing. In January and February, they were talking about how in China, this was showing up in, in November of last year, of last year. Mm-hmm. and they weren't doing a whole lot about it, getting out of China, you know. So from the start, from the get-go, to answer your question, yeah, I'm always skeptical of the, uh, of the media and the official narratives and the politicians and all of it. That's my default position. And then, you know, I'll take in whatever I can. I do more reading than I do watching of the media. So it's a process. And then, it really is. And, and what's your relationship with, with social media and technology? Did you, did you feel your attention span dwindling? Did you embrace it right away? Or you, or, or it, I mean, obviously you're confident and vocal and you, you like to share your points of view. So I, I get the sense you did embrace Facebook in that way. But how is it? Have you always had a handle on it or have you felt this pull to keep going to your phone or do you think it's as toxic of a device as I do? Oh, no, I definitely do. And I I struggle with it myself. I mean, we're all addicted to the phone. You know, anybody who says they're not is in fucking denial. Right. Uh, You know, um, and I try to curb it when I can. And my girlfriend is constantly, you know, like, just put it away, you know, frankly. And so it's a problem. But, man, I am addicted to information. Now, I'm not the one who's like on there flipping through. I have 5,000 followers on Facebook, friends or whatever. I'm not flipping through seeing what all these people are doing or saying. I am on Twitter where I follow like journalists and like media people and congressmen and and all kinds of people that I find really interesting with up-to-date information. I'm not scrolling through Instagram. I mean, I do occasionally Instagram photos and stuff like that. But the majority of my thing is on Twitter for just the most up-to-date information about what, what's happening in the world. Yeah. And that is my addiction. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not to play devil's advocate here, I, I, I applaud that. But then I wonder, because I'm the same way as you, if we get to a point where it's just – and this creates not necessarily the conflict in your head, but I just think culturally – Maybe there's just there's just too much information, you know. There's there, we're just constantly bombarded, and then I even think to myself, and I respect journalists now more than ever because I think if they don't get their article done within a day or two, their their information is going to be obsolete and outdated. Um, right. So I, I don't know. I I struggle with with this um, this way of living yeah, right right now. I see what you're saying. Yeah, with that rush, then uh, I'm sure the research suffers and the. Uh, the sourcing and all that stuff. So it is, it's kind of a balancing act, you know? I mean, there's, I don't see anything that we can do about it. It's, it's not going to go away. Um, and to kind of remove yourself from it entirely is, it kind of cuts you off from the world, you know, and even your, your friends and family that you're not in close proximity to in a lot of ways. So it's, I think it's a balance, like everything, right? Everything's a balance of some sort, you know? I just I feel like it's creating um, this narcissistic quality in our culture, and this will sort of tie in now to music. Um, I was I I checked out your last record, and I noticed that it wasn't on Spotify or iTunes. Uh, It was released on Bandcamp, 
and which I think I'm going to be doing for my album that I'm working on now, at least for six months. Right. So let's let's. I want to backtrack though first before we get to this record. I don't think people appreciate the process of of making records or making movies, and I am struggled with, or I I'm conflicted with. Did people resent the fact that they had to pay fifteen twenty dollars for a CD back in the nineties, uh, and then they're like, "Ah, fuck this! Why should I pay for music?" Or did the people love the idea that they get to not pay for anything? And I'm waiting. And then I think Netflix has dwindled the quality of filmmaking down. I I just I think artists are taking a huge hit, and it's happening in the jur- journalism world where. People are losing their jobs at newspapers because newspapers are, losing, are, are, are folding. Yeah. So let's like backtrack. Do you re- remember a world before Spotify and Napster? And then did you notice how it was changing your life and the way you guys made music or how you made music? I mean, no, we're kind of backtracking a little ways before we get to present tense. But do you feel like Napster and... Spotify started it all, or or where did the shift happen? Well, I was not really paying attention when that stuff happened, to be honest. I was just, I mean, what year did that even happen? you remember? Yeah, it was late 90s. Late 90s, yeah. So the late 90s, I was doing a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> I wasn't even writing songs yeah. in the late 90s, you know? I, I didn't start really until 90, yeah, 98, 99. I wrote my first couple songs and I'm like 43 right now. So I was just playing the guitar and, and making home recordings on a four track. And it wasn't until I moved to LA, it was like 2001, that um, I started hearing about this stuff. And maybe MySpace was around then or not. I think MySpace had just come around and. I was on that late. I'm always behind on the technology thing, like always. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really affect me at all. Um, it really didn't. Um, and, and so then when I got, when I had the band, we actually had our first record. Um, I thought, wow, this is amazing. I mean, I can just put this out and, and somebody across the world can hear it and even buy it. And um, we can promote our shows. You know, if we go on a tour, we can promote them. This is amazing. And I just utilized what I saw as a tool and didn't think too much about it. So then, you know, I mean, yeah, I just always assumed that people were going to be downloading the music for free. And it, it, did, it never bugged me because there was nothing I could do about it. Um, and I was just happy that people were listening to my music. That's all I care about. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I'm, I'm similar to you in, in that I... I'm making a record now, and obviously, if it bothered me that much, I would be like, "Fuck this! I'm not even going to do this." So, I, obviously, I feel like I have something to say, and I just love to create. But I, I do think this attitude of not having to pay for something creatively that's made, and then subscriptions where for ten, twelve dollars a month, you could get all the movies you want on Netflix. I think we need a world where people can make a living. Um, doing art. Well, that's going to be tough, man, because there's so many people doing it now. Yeah. So many people making music. I mean, too many people, probably. It's just like, you know, uh, if people, I don't know. It's so saturated. Yeah. Especially in LA, right? You're in LA, right? Uh huh, sure. 
so fucking saturated and it's just, um, I don't know if, you know, you got to make a quality product first of all to get paid. You know what I'm saying? So for everyone to expect to get paid is maybe a bit, I don't know, unrealistic. Like the majority of people that are making music, I, I don't know. It, what are the chances that it's music that most people are going to want to hear or, you know, pay for, let alone pay for? Yeah, this is where I have the issues with what happened. Because of what's happened, the record labels don't really exist. And to get an artist to become noticed takes fifty, hundred thousand dollars worth of marketing or and or touring. And, uh, ah. and most people just don't know that. And right. so the way that artists like Cardi B or, you know, Drake was a, um, a soap opera star. I, I don't know. I think people are becoming famous or known because they, they have to get your attention somehow as opposed to actually becoming good at their craft. And sure. do, do you feel like art or music isn't what it used to be. I can't even tell you the last time I listened to a record where at least eight of the 10 songs I, I liked. I, I don't know. What, yeah. No, it's it obviously, I mean, I think everything has basically uh, degenerated hmm. since, the, you know, I mean, let's face it, the 60s was the golden age of music. I, I think probably film as well. You know, um, I don't know. There's exceptions down the line, but yes, the majority of stuff sucks now that I've heard. And it's very difficult to find. I don't even look for new music anymore. You know, I just don't. If it comes to me, that's great. I'm more concerned about making good music myself. I make the music I want to hear, you know, and if that's like, that's all I can do. Um, but yeah, I think it's a combination of, you know, our culture has gone downhill over the last 30, 40 years. I think culturally there have been uh, sort of things that have been implemented in the culture. I mean, I'm a cons listen, call me a conspiracy theorist, you know, but I'm just telling you what I see with my own eyes. I do a lot of reading about this stuff, and there are people who are injecting things into the culture to denigrate it. They want a fucked up culture. They don't like culture because that creates community. You know, that, that creates like a sense of togetherness. Um, there are people in this world, very fucking evil people who don't want that. And it's very easy to destroy it. Yeah. It really is. I mean, that's, you talk about Drake and Rihanna and all these fucking people and I have nothing against, but look at the people who are elevated in the culture and have been for the last 20 or 30 years, you know, it's just been ridiculous people that have nothing of real, any value to offer. It's all bullshit. Most of it. Yeah. There are exceptions. Of course, there's always exceptions, but overall in the big scheme, the big boys, the big labels and shit, who are they propping up? Who are these fucking people? Yeah. They're not offering anything positive to society or culture. And I think that's intentional. But at the same time, the culture demands that, especially this generation now, you know, like, so they're, it's complex. It's very oh, yeah. complicated, I think, but um, it's a perfect storm of just like this stuff coming from the top and this shit from the bottom meeting and just 
It's not good. Culture is definitely going downhill. The mainstream culture. Now, there's always pockets, right? And there's underground and there's people doing amazing shit. But um, they're not getting the major label deals and they're not getting the big shows on Netflix and all this stuff, you know, in general. funny i i agree with you about the 60s but i also and i i i was really inspired and i had a roommate in college from seattle and i, I was really inspired by you know nirvana and alice in chains and soundgarden and, and i think to myself in hip-hop back then in the 90s with tupac and biggie and um snoop like there, those were two really impactful music scenes yeah and i'll just talk seattle i i don't know i mean i know a lot was going on and, and it was also just the climate and the culture up there and and social media didn't exist and and i don't know if that will ever happen again i i think it's impossible in fact i'm going to say right now for the first time i just i don't think it's possible you know you had mentioned you know, people want Drake or Cardi B or I, sometimes I don't even know if people know what they want. And it's yeah. like these we're just sort of being fed and people like you and me or people that sort of don't like what everybody else likes. We're we're looked at as outcasts. But I, I don't know, maybe I, I'm, I don't even know if I have a question, but I, I just I, I'm believing in. We're just, we're being manipulated to like these things. Well, that's exactly what my, that's the point I was trying to make. Like you just said it so simply, but it is this combination of people like what they're told to like. There's these forces from the top, you know, where they, they know how to make things very appealing to people's like base senses and their base, their pleasure centers and shit like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And th this is what public relations is. You know what I mean? They know how to sell you shit. And it doesn't have to be valuable to your life. It just has to feel good. You know, it just has to tickle the senses or whatever you want to say, however you want to say it. That's all it is. And it's that easy. And then they make a million dollars, they make a billion dollars doing that. But at the same time, they further fucking degrade the population, especially the younger populations, and condition them to want more of it. 
And so it's just this thing that's just going to continue and it's going to continue for who knows how long. I do think that's what's happening. You're right. Yeah. And it's funny today that we're talking, are you okay with time? I've got a few more questions than I'll. I got time. I'm good. Cool. Ironically, ironically today, Amazon and Facebook both um, announced their, their earnings and their stock prices like went through the roof because everybody needs to use Amazon right now. Yeah. And everybody's spending yeah. all their free time on Facebook right now. So of course, while the rest of the world is is becoming depressed and becoming is staying home, those those companies are thriving. Um, yeah. Why did you make the decision to not release your record a few years ago on iTunes and Spotify and just use Bandcamp? Oh, so when you said that, um, I was a little confused. There, there was a period where it wasn't on those. Now, when was it that you looked and saw that? Just a couple, just a couple days ago. Oh, shit. I should, I should look at that then. Because we had a problem with a, a label. We signed with a label. Okay. Last year. And so we had to take everything down, and they were going to put it back up through their digital distribution. And so it was down for a while. We didn't... Um, so... When I released Americana, which was 2017, right. it was actually done through a label, but it was a very small label, not a lot of money. Um, so they just they released it on Bandcamp. And it was also up on all the streaming sites and whatever. Um, and we had physical distribution and whatever, very limited. Um, but that wasn't a conscious, that was just all that it was offered. I mean, I, I had just come off a seven-year hiatus of not making any music. Why, and I was cur- and I was curious about that. Why why the long break? I don't know. Honestly, no inspiration whatsoever. Wow. None. Like I stopped playing with the guys I was playing with. Most of them. Um, no inspiration. I was just done. I wasn't having fun playing shows. We weren't getting anywhere. Nothing was happening. I'm just like, okay, maybe I'll do something else. So went to school horticulture. You know, studied that. Um, had my own business gardening for a while did just everything barely even thought about music didn't even pick up a guitar until 2017 and uh you know some pretty wild shit happened that that made me pick up a guitar again and i wrote an album in two weeks and uh, i recorded it over a year by myself with a 20 year old pro tools rig and this guy's like hey i want to release this he knew us he'd like our our previous stuff and that just happened. Wow. Yeah. It's funny, though. I, I'm wondering if you were experiencing, though, some of my frustration, because as much as we do music for ourselves, there is this symbiotic relationship where if you're at a show or people connect with your music or find you, it, it it's you don't feel as lonely, or at least I don't feel as lonely, and it's nice to know that people are connecting with the words that, I, that I'm singing about. And I think when you are putting your heart and soul and finances into a project and then nobody's responding, and it's not because they don't like it. It's because of our culture, and it's impossible to break through and be noticed now. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I'm just wondering if that may have been what was going on, and it's just, it's impossible. I, I think about just those young people, young artists, and getting seen and known. I, I don't know how that's going to happen. Right. Well, I mean, part of it was our fault, too. We never worked hard Hmm. at that self-promoting. 
we never looked for a manager. We never, you know, we sent our shit out to radio stations and probably some labels and stuff. But what else do you do? And this was kind of early MySpace age. So it's like, what else do you do? You know, we just, we'll post it on MySpace and we'll play as many shows as we can. We couldn't afford to tour on our own. So we were just in L.A., trying to play shows with a billion other bands, trying to play shows and, you know, trying to get the decent venues and the decent gigs. And eventually, you know, we got to a point where we're playing the great spots in uh, Silver Lake Echo Park and meeting like-minded bands and playing with our, uh, some bands that we really liked. And, but then it, I just wasn't enjoying it. So it's a combination of things, I guess. You know. Yeah. I don't, I'm, I'll ask you a couple more questions. These are going to be sort of more philosophical questions, but I'm really, I struggle with, is the world a good place or is it, is, or is just evil speaks so loud that it just envelops the good? Uh, do you have hopes that this is going to turn out okay? Or do you think it's going to get worse? And, and yeah, I've thought about like, God, is, is a civil war going to start? Are people going to be fighting at grocery stores? And I don't know, what's giving you hope or you don't have any? No, I definitely have hope, man. Not in the short term. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. There have been a lot of things. I mean, all of our systems, man, the financial system, uh, low trust in uh, media, low trust in politicians and government in general. This has been an empire. I've, I'm just talking about the U U.S. right now. You know, it's been an empire in decline for a long time. And this has gone throughout history. You know, we can see exactly what's going to happen here. It's going to fucking collapse. There's going to be a there's going to be a worse economic crash than there was in 08 or whatever. This is probably going to precipitate it, this COVID thing, shutting the economy down. It's just nonsense. Printing money then to give to everybody. And it's, it's not sustainable. None of our, none of our systems right now are fully sustainable. And um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come crashing down eventually. I don't know when, of course, but so no, I don't have a lot of hope in the short term. But once that happens, I have a lot of hope that we can rebuild it and restructure it and maybe learn from past mistakes. Yeah. There's a lot of hope for that because I think the majority of people are good. And I think the majority of people are, are intelligent. I think a lot of people's uh, sort of capacity, though, is un, untapped. It's kind of kept in a box and in a cage by this culture and, and the society at large. Um, so I'm hoping that this something good will come out of this where people kind of will wake up and see how ridiculous we've been handling a lot of things. Yeah, well, so before this thing hit, man, we were, uh, we had a record in the can. We have a record finished. Um, we had the label set up, but that kind of fell through. We were having some issues with them. And our manager, we had a manager. That all kind of went to shit, uh, but for the better, because now we have a new manager. Um, and right after that happened, you know, we were playing a residency up in San Francisco, and we were trying to get people out, and like, Industry people were starting to trickle in and, you know, we're getting some interest. COVID hits and then nothing. Yeah. So that's where we're at. I'm using this time now to make another record. I'm doing all the writing. I'm just like 
writing and demoing and uh, I'll send those to the bandmates and see what they can do with them. And we're just going to wait, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad we didn't release that record because it was done and it was just about to be, it probably would have been released if we didn't have problems with our label. Yeah. I'm really thankful it didn't get released because it would have just been lost and all this shit, you know? I mean, are you thinking, because I read that the touring might not happen until 2022. Are you, yeah. what are you, are you thinking like, what the hell are we going to do with touring? Or are you just, I don't know. I, I, I so well, conf- Yeah. I mean, I just, there's no reason to tour if there's not a record <laughs> in my view. Yeah. And there's no reason to release a record if you're not going to tour and support it and promote it also. So, I mean, that's just my view. Uh, there's different thinking about this. I know plenty of people have released records in the last few months, and but they're more well-established, and they already have that, that base, you know? So right. they're probably doing okay. Yeah, but, uh, I'm sure Taylor Swift, who just released a record on Friday, <laughs> I think she's yeah. doing fine. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to wait. I'm trying to be patient, you know? I get bummed out when I think about it because we were really on a roll, man. Things were happening more than they ever had before. Um, we are in a great spot. But well, I'm, confu- I'm con- confused before I let you go, and then I want to read one thing that you wrote. Yeah. You were in L.A., but then you were in San Francisco, and now you're back east in New York. How, how did that all – what happened? We were commuting from L.A. We lived in L.A. Me, me and my girlfriend, who were both in the band, lived in L.A., um, and we were commuting every month up to this show, this okay. venue in San Francisco. It's a really supportive venue called the Ivy up there. It's actually in uh, Albany, upstate. Okay. Uh, not upstate. <laughs> I'm in upstate New York where there's an Albany, but there's an Albany, Northern California. Okay, also. got it. So, so that was kind of this big plan that our manager hatched, and it was going great. And we were doing that until COVID hit. And then we, my girlfriend and I were kind of toying with moving out here anyways permanently. To New York, mm. and when that happened, we had no reason to stay in LA. Yeah, so we just came out here. I mean, who wanted to be in LA when this shit was happening anyway? I didn't. So, did you like LA? I just feel like you guys are, or not, not you guys, just you. I, I don't, no. I don't picture you in LA. But did you, did you enjoy it out there, out here, or, or no? No, not really. I mean, it's a little. I'm a kind of a country boy by heart. Yeah. You know, um, I, uh, I prefer the rural country. Uh, fewer people, fewer cars, less pollution, you know, right. um, less chaos in general. So, no, I'm, I'm really happy here. A girlfriend is too, you know, she grew up in LA. Um, I'd only been there for like 15, 16 years. There are things I love about it. You know, there's a lot to do. It's great shows, great restaurants and all that stuff. But, yeah. um, and all of our friends are there. We don't have a, we don't have a single friend out here really. So, um, so we're working on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to just, you got to friend them on, on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. We've got virtual <laughs> friends. Well, last thing I just, so your post, your most recent one on Facebook, I won't read the whole thing, but, um, they're not the most recent one, but I just, you go on about COVID, um, economies devastated human beings isolated from each other suicide rates will rise and it got tons of comments and and do you regret posting that at all or i mean again i just did you spend that whole week just having back and forths with people on on facebook or you just you just put it out there and you just you move on 
Man, I put it out there. I mean, I kept my mouth shut about COVID for months, just taking it in, trying to figure out what was going on, listening to other people, observing, you know, um, the whole time being highly skeptical, like we discussed earlier. I knew how I felt about it from the start, but I just, I don't intentionally ruffle feathers, contrary to what people might think. You know, I, I get a lot of shit on Facebook. Um, from people for whatever reason. Um, but no, man, I'm used to it. I'm used to the flack. I just put it out there. It's what I think. Um, were, you, I have no were you always this way? I mean, uh, well, no, not always. Okay. No. no, I just, I think it because I just think it takes a certain personality or, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah I just, no, no. Yeah. No, I'm really, I'm fixed. I consider myself pretty thick skinned now, but I certainly wasn't always, man. I mean, right. when I was a, a kid or a teenager, or even in my early 20s, 30s, I wasn't uh, informed. I was, like I said, in the early 90s, late 90s, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't reading nothing. Yeah. Okay, something clicked, and I just decided maybe I should maybe inform myself about the world. You know, we mature, and that's what happens when you get older. Yeah. And so, yeah, the more you mature, the more you want to kind of figure out and, and learn about the world. And the more I learned, the more I saw, the more I wanted to kind of communicate what I was seeing that I thought was valuable. It was valuable to me. So I hoped if it's valuable to other people, hey, maybe let me share something. So, yeah, I've been sharing stuff like this forever yeah. on Facebook, even on MySpace back in the day, just views and controversial things and like I'm always interested in the kind of the under the stuff that's happening under the mainstream of course me too I, yeah always yeah. man so yeah. most people aren't I don't think but the more I can get people to kind of look at this other shit that's going on the better I mean I feel like that's my that's kind of my role and it's in my music and it's in my social media presence it's in my daily life conversations like this I love it's great well, Dwayne, um, I just, I really was struck by what you wrote and I sort of, it touched a nerve with me and sort of touches on the focus of my show and sort of raising awareness and going below the surface. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time and talking with me. It was a real pleasure, man. I appreciate it. Get together!